my goodness gracious, Dave. You ever say anything that you regret? Show of hands, for real, I'm not kidding. Okay, thank you. So, in the summer of 2014, I went to youth camp with another church. And at this youth camp, there was a drummer in the band who looked a lot like Vin Diesel. Okay, he had the, the shaved head and the olive skin and the big muscles. And I've got quite a little thing for Vin Diesel. I'm not even going to kid, okay? So the, the only major difference between this guy and Vin Diesel was that this guy was, he was kind of a little bitty Vin Diesel. Like he was, he was like, a, he was like it was, okay, that's an exaggeration. He's probably about this, like how tall I am without the spikes, okay? So Mr. Vin Diesel, he didn't like being called Vin Diesel. He didn't think that was funny. All the kids thought it was funny. But he didn't like it at all. And for four days of camp, he and I didn't speak. Like, things were not going the way that I wanted them to go with me and little bitty Vin Diesel. But anyway, we got to day four of youth camp. It's the last service. It's right before the last evening. And I'm standing out in the hallway going into the, the worship area. And I see him walking towards me, okay? And I realized he's not really walking so much towards me as he is just, you know, walking. But regardless, I'm not a, I don't think I'm a very good flirt. And I'm not very impulsive when it comes to, like, taking a chance with a man or anything like that. And I don't know why. <laughs> but I saw him coming, and I thought, now's my chance. And so I didn't plan it, and I didn't think about it. I just, I just stepped in front of him. And I said, I will never call you by any name other than your own. And I need to touch your muscle. <laughs> For real, that's literally the words that came out of my mouth. And instead of him like being like, oh my gosh, you're such a freak. Like, he just kind of giggled. And he just flexed his big old right bicep up there. And I took both of my hands and and wrapped him around there and just kind of stood there for a second. And then I just patted him and I said, thank you. And I just walked away. <laughs> so went and sat down in the back of the, of the worship area and thought, what in heaven's name did you just say? Like, where did those words even come from? Or I don't know. I just I don't, I don't know. But there's no secret as to why I'm still single. I mean, hang around five minutes, you'll figure it out. But, so, I'm, you know, we've all been there. Hopefully you haven't been exactly in that position. But, you know, where you say things and you're just like, why? Or the worst is when you type the things. Oh, my gosh, the phones now, for the love. Someone take mine away from me. Okay, and when, when Keith said that the next topic was going to be gossip, you know, I thought, oh, this is such a bore. What gossip? Everybody knows don't gossip. Okay, whatever. You know, and you may have thought that too. I don't know. And just in my time praying and, and seeking about what to talk about, I thought, you know, this is really bigger than just gossip. But just in case anybody wondered, okay, I have a definition of gossip for you. No kidding. This is just straight out of the dictionary, okay? And so gossip here it is. Casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Okay, you, you know what gossip is, 
But we have, we have all kinds of ungodly words that come out of our mouths and our little thumbs all the time. And, and the thing, I've thought about how we don't, just, we don't just say things sometimes, like we craft them, like we work on them, and we want to make sure we say exactly the right thing to manipulate them. And then there are people who do that to us, too. Those things, it's not just the words that we say, but what about the things somebody says back to us? Man, that's, that's serious. I, heard, I saw a quote just yesterday, actually, it said, careless words are never spoken lightly. They often cut straight to the heart and inflict deep wounds. It's so hard to sit there and take it when everything that's being said about you is not true and your integrity is intact. That's awful, man. That hits you right in the gut. And so, I don't... I, uh, okay, yeah. All right, so... I want to start in the book of James, okay? It's difficult for me to just kind of pick a topic and talk about it, um, but I want, to, I want to pull two things together for you tonight, and it starts in the book of James. Now, here's the thing that I think is important about the book of James in general is that James is the, is the brother of Jesus, not just like the brother in Christ, but I mean, he's Mary and Joseph's boy. You remember Mary and Joseph from the Christmas story and the, the frankincense and myrrh and the wise men, the sheep and all that kind of stuff. He's Jesus's brother. Okay. Now who's got a sibling here in this little group? Anybody got siblings? Okay. What does your brother have to do to convince you that he's your Lord? All right. If my brother who I love dearly, don't get me wrong. Nobody picks on my little brother, but me, of course, I want to punch him in the throat sometimes. If my brother comes to me and he says, by the way, um, so I've come to die for your sins so that you can be forgiven and go to heaven. I'd have to say, okay, first of all, we're going to reevaluate who was the good child because it wasn't you, all right? So, but I just think that's really interesting and, and valuable that, that Jesus is so much who he says he is. Even his family believes it and wrote about it and encouraged you to follow him. And so starting in James chapter 1, he, James even says, he says, this letter from James a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then going, if we go on down to James chapter 1, verse 22, here's what James says. He says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you came, claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, then you're fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. I don't know why we leave that part out so much. We talk about this caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress, but we often leave out that refusing to let the world corrupt you, and I don't know why, but anyway, so the moral of the story is obviously, you know, do what it says, control your tongue, don't let the world corrupt you, you know, the end of gossip, right? Okay, let's pray. Okay, I mean, I don't know, it just kind of, those, the fact of the matter is, even just a week and a half ago, I had one of those moments where I just typed me out a little something and sent it to somebody, and I mean, God about killed me over it. And so I'm sitting there one day thinking about this message, and I'm like, okay, God, it's, it's, more, 
It's more than just don't say bad things or don't be mean to people or control your tongue. Or God, where's that stuff come from? Where is that? Where's that come from? And there are often times when God is, is quiet, but this time he was quick to respond. And I said, where does that come from? And he said, for you, it's a heart of jealousy. That's where it comes from in me more times than not. That's just the thing that I struggle with the most is a, a heart of jealousy. How do you fix that? How do you get to the heart of why we say these things to other people? So I want us to look at another, just another little piece of what Jesus says about who he is. And man, I just had to get it together back there for a while because what Don said was exactly what we're about to talk about. So I want you to go to John chapter 13, okay? If you got a Bible, if you're not, if you don't, it's going to be up there on the screen. But this is the day before Jesus is going to die. Tomorrow's it. He's going to be crucified. He'll die. He's with his disciples. These are the last few moments that they have. He's, he's washed their feet. He has predicted Peter's betrayal. He has, he has sent Judas off to begin the whole process. Jesus put the whole thing in motion. Don't ever forget that. Judas didn't just decide to go and betray him. Jesus sent him to start the whole thing in the first place. So we get to John chapter 13, and Jesus is with the disciples for the last time and the most important things that he wants to share with them. And he says in verse 33, he says, Dear children, I'll be with you only a little longer. As I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. Now, he had taught earlier some Pharisees about how he was going to the Father, and they didn't understand. And really, his point was they weren't going to get to come because they weren't followers of Christ. And so that's what he's referring to. And he says in verse 34, it says, So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. And I think that's kind of odd because that's not a new commandment. He's been talking about this for three years. But he's fixing to punctuate it in a way that just really, it, it really drives it home. He says, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And I thought we read that verse, probably, you know, some, some of us may have read it often, and, and oftentimes you automatically think, okay, Jesus is going to die for them, so I've got to be willing to die for people. And that's true. I'm not discounting that in any way, but, you know, I thought about, I mean, think about who he's talking to. The literal people, there were people sitting next to him and leaning. The Bible says John at one point leans into the Lord and asks him a question. And these literal people that he's hanging out with, and he says, I want you to love each other like I've loved you. So how, how did he love them? Well, if you think about it, he could get up and say to every one of them some kind of example. He could look at Peter and he'd say, Peter, you questioned everything. Even you wanted to know what kind of reward you would get for being a disciple. You doubted everything that I said. And I already have told you that tonight you will even deny that you even know me. And he could look at Peter and John and James and Andrew, and he could say, you remember how you all wanted to be in charge all the time? That's me. I'm the boss of the world. So, I mean, you, you argued about who is going to be in charge. And speaking of James and John, by the way, Mr. Sons of Thunder, remember when we went to Samaria and you got mad because they, they were mean to us, they wouldn't treat us right, and you wanted to call down fire from heaven and destroy all of them? And then after that, you had the audacity to ask me if you could sit on my right and my left when we get to heaven. And then the rest of you got mad because they asked, 
Because if I had said yes to them, that meant that you didn't get to sit there. And then he, just, he could just keep going on. Philip, you remember when I asked you to feed the crowd? You didn't even consider the fact that I could have done it. You were convinced it couldn't be done at all. Or Nathaniel thought, Nathaniel, you're such a bigot. Like you, your first words were, can anything good come from Samaria? You insulted my entire hometown of people. Everybody that lived there, you insulted them. Matthew, this was my favorite one. Matthew, you're the most notorious of the sinners. You extorted money from people to pad your own pockets. You're a tax collector. Tax collector. So you were hated by people in Israel. You followed me, and then you had a party because you wanted other people to get to know me, and that's fantastic. The thing was, the only people that showed up to the, to the party were nasty, low-life people because that's the only kind of friends you had. You didn't know anybody else. And Thomas, you was the worrier and the doubter. You were pessimistic about everything. You were our own Eeyore. Whoa, it's me. You know what I mean? Thomas, was, he was always a downer. And those are the kind of people that Jesus loved anyway. They were, they were low-lifes and scoundrels and warriors, and they were fighters, and they were faithless, and they were doubters, and they were rebellious, and they went against authority, and they were bigots, and he loved them anyway despite all their faults. No matter what they had done, I thought, man, that's me. I can run you a list of all the hateful and awful things that I have done and you wouldn't believe it. And he loves me anyway. And you think, well, what does that matter? What does that matter? Was it matter how I love people? Was it matter how I treat people? And he goes on, and this is the thing. He says, your love for one another will prove to the world. The NIV version says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Love for each other is the thing that sets Christianity apart from every other religion in the world. Every other one. It's why Christians don't retaliate when they get attacked by ISIS. Because we love our enemies. Because God told us to love others above everything, no matter who they were, no matter what they'd done, no matter what they said, that you have to love. You don't get a choice about how you talk about people. And that includes the way you talk to your parents, teenagers. You don't get a choice about how you talk to people. Because Jesus commands us, because he loved us just like we were, that we have to love other people. We just have to. That's different, y'all. That's a different kind of lifestyle. That's a different kind of way of living. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Disciples don't get a choice. And that includes the words you say when you're around other people, and that includes the words you say about other people. But I can't do that if my heart is full of jealousy and envy and rage and bitterness and unforgiveness and doubt. Because here's the thing, Luke 6 Luke chapter 6, it says, A good person produces good things from a treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from a treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. I didn't make that up. That's scripture. That's in the Bible. What you say flows from what's in your heart. And more times than not, what's in my heart. 
is jealousy. And that's so awful. It's an awful thing to realize about yourself. So what, what is it? I mean, what is it for you? What's the thing that's deep inside that you don't like to talk about, you don't want to look at, you don't want to deal with? But really, that's the root of where these words are coming from. That's the root of your reaction to people. That's the root of how you treat people. That's, that's the heart of the matter right there. Jesus said, just as I have loved you, you should love each other. For the love of one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. The defining characteristic of Christians is how we treat each other. Nobody else on the planet treats each other, supposed, or are supposed to treat each other like Christians do. And it gives other people the opportunity to say, look at how they treat people, even when they're hurt. Even when they get hurt, even when they get stepped on, even when they get talked about, even then, look at how they treat people. Listen to me. Jesus knew that relationships were going to be difficult. Okay, he didn't say this, and he was like, okay, y'all, good luck. You know, tell you, be nice to each other. Okay, 21 different times he tells us to love each other because he knew it was going to be difficult to do it. You ever gotten frustrated with somebody that you like for no good reason? I mean, Satan is constantly trying to divide us, constantly trying to come between us. He knew, he knew, Jesus, he knew. But what, what if we said, okay, I'm going to take my cues from Jesus, I'm just going to react the way he wants me to react. I just think it's so interesting that Jesus is about to die himself. And he already knows that all of the disciples will eventually. John's the only one who died a natural death, but he was exiled. All of the disciples are going to be killed because they are followers of Jesus. And the most important thing he tells them is to love each other. He wouldn't get ready to die. It wasn't this is how you die well. It was love each other. That's got to be a big deal if that's the last thing that Jesus tells us to do. And I, I guess I've been thinking about my two little thumbs and the chaos that they cause so much. And I thought, you know, we're really not loving people with some of the things that we put on Facebook, or the things we put on Twitter or Instagram or, my gosh, Snapchat, because we think nobody's ever going to see it, myself included. How do you love people even on even on Facebook, when you're really, really mad and you think you've got an opportunity to say something because there's some kind of, you know, cover there. He first loved us. That's why, that's why we love like we do. Because it's not just about us. It's not just about us. Teenagers, it's not just about you. This is not just a section of your life that you get to take off when you go to school. we got to stop compartmentalizing our faith from our life. It's the whole picture. This is how people are going to see Jesus. This is how people are going to see a change. This is how they're going to want what you have. By this, they will know that you are my disciple. They'll see Jesus because we choose to love them when they aren't lovable because he loved us. So I thought about, you know, what, what does this really look like when you say, okay, no, no, for real, I mean, for real, what does it mean to follow Jesus in this way? I think it means you look at Jesus and you say, okay, Jesus, how would you handle this? Because that's how I'm going to handle this. God, where, where would you go if you were me? Because then that's where I'm going to go. Or what do you think I should say? Because then that's what I'm going to say. And, and what, if you'll just give me the direction, the answer is already yes, I'll do it. If you'll just tell me where to go, just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Tell me where to go. 
That's following Jesus. No matter what, no matter what he asks you, no matter what he tells you to say, no matter how many times he tells you, this message is an example. There's like 17 pages, I'm not even kidding, of notes at home of things that I want to tell you and I want to say. And I just finally had to say, God, you're going to have to take all of me out of this because this is just about you. God, what do you want? Then that's what I'm going to do. And that's going to hurt sometimes. That's really going to hurt, but it's for our good and his glory. And I was thinking about how words hurt, you know, you know how I love a good illustration. So I was at home and I was praying. I was like, oh, God, this has got to be a good one because it's gossip. And we talk about gossip. Sometimes it can get boring and we think it's not important. So, God, what's, what's going to be the super-duper illustration? Because we have all seen, you know, the one where... Where you tear the piece of paper, have you seen that? You tear it up, you know, because that's gossip tears people apart. And um, then you, you know, if you take some tape and you try to put it back together, well, that's, that's never going to go back together like it was. That's the way your words are. You know, they rip people apart. And, you know, we've heard about the toothpaste one where you squeeze out all the toothpaste and then you say, okay, now you got to put it back in the tube. Of course, it's not going to go back in the tube because your words, you can't get them back like that. And I thought about, you know, how... We all love to see glitter sprout about, strewn about. That'll be fun to clean up later. But, you know, I th- you know, we talk about gossip being like glitter and sand or something like that. You scatter it about and you just, you can't ever get it all back or off of you for that matter. But you just, it just goes everywhere. You can't gather those words up once they've been like that. And I'm like, God, so what's going to be, like, what's the major, what's the, what's the, fantastic illustration that's really going to blow everybody away and it's just like he just quietly said you know how it feels there's your illustration I don't have to give you an illustration of how words hurt you know exactly how it feels you know how it feels to say them and you know how it feels to hear them there's your illustration all of this that we that Keith's talked about, sex, drugs, alcohol, gossip, it all starts with the heart. It's a heart issue. It's not just about choosing words or words that you say. And the things that James said are so very, very important and absolutely true. And don't think that I've just called James a liar because that's not at all what I'm saying. That was just a piece of a bigger picture. What if we just said no matter what, no matter what, no matter what somebody does to me, no matter what. God, oh, that's hard. That's real hard. <laughs> there's, there's some um, terribly hard things to hear. And thank God, how do you want me to respond? And there are some terrible things that I have said. <laughs> Even to people in the room. But I just thought, God, what if you could get all that crap out of my heart and I could really, really see how you loved me and that I could really, really love other people the way you see them and I'd quit spewing all this venom out of my mouth all the time. I woke up this morning and I thought, I went to bed. I was real worried and freaked out, really. This this freaks me out. But I woke up this morning with Psalm 62 on my mind. And it says, my soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. 
And the end of it says, one thing God has spoken, two things I have heard, that you, O oh God, are strong and that you, O oh God, are loving. And that's really it. What does God need to do in your heart? And what is, oh man, he's still, I'm telling you, I'm not standing here because I got it all figured out. I'm still dealing with it, I promise you. What does God need to do in your heart so that you can love people the way he loves you and that, that way you can see people the way he loves them too? So let me pray. God, I'm thankful that you you love us even though you know exactly who we are. You know exactly what we're going to do. You know exactly how we feel. You know exactly what we're going to say. You know what's in our hearts, God. You know the things, God, that you want to heal because our salvation comes from you and you alone. And God, there's a whole lot of hurt. There's a whole lot of hurt. And none of this means that it shouldn't have hurt or that it wasn't, we're not justified in being hurt, God. It's just an opportunity for you to do a miracle. So God, I pray in these minutes that we'll just get real honest with you. God, that we'll just be like real, real down and dirty, painful, kind of honest. God, that you'll just get in our hearts and you'll, you'll transform who we are on the inside so that that starts overflowing to the outside. And God, I pray that when we leave here, we won't forget it. God, that we won't just get up in the next few minutes and we'll think, okay, I'm ready to eat or I got to get on to something else or what am I going to wear to school tomorrow? What am I going to do at work tomorrow? God, these teenagers are going to get a minute to go into small groups and God, I pray that you give them time to, God, wreck their hearts. And the adults too, God, we don't get to escape it. So God, in these minutes, I just pray that you'll do an incredible work. And Lord, we give you the glory for it because we want, we want the world to know you. And we want to love people like you love them. So God, please come and be with us in these moments and change our lives forever. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.